From our studios in New York, Chicago, and the United Kingdom, it's Rail Group On Air's special podcast series, The Coronavirus and the Rail Industry. Hello, everyone. Bill Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of Railway Track and Structures Magazine. Boy, times are tough out there. Everyone is struggling with this COVID-19 pandemic. Transit agencies are suffering big declines in ridership, and the freight industry is suffering big declines in carloads. I got together with my fellow editor-in-chief of Railway Age magazine, William C. Ventuono, and we talked about the economic impact and the effect it's having on the rail industry. We talked about a number of things, so here is the full conversation between myself and Mr. Ventuono. How you doing there, Bill? I'm doing fine. It's uh, a beautiful day here in Monmouth Beach, and uh, uh, it's going to go out for a ride in my convertible, but I'll have to do that later, after I'm done working. Yeah, unfortunately, the weather is not that great financially for uh, at least the transit side of, of the industry. wanted to uh, refer to a story that we ran not too long ago. Actually, we ran on April 29th. Uh, COVID-19 has Sound Transit's capital plan reeling. And board members there are basically trying to figure out what they are going to do uh, when the coronavirus is all said and done. They believe that a recession like the one that happened after the dot-com crash, which was in the early 2000s, could cost the agency $5.6 billion, while another great recession could result in a loss of $11.9 billion. So the great recession that we had back in 07-08. Sound Transit relies on tax revenues, financing, and fares, Sales tax revenues account for 53% of the agency's financial pot. So obviously with the shelter in place going on right now, not a whole lot of businesses is happening. Uh, They also take in money from property taxes and excise taxes on car sales. And their sound transit is getting ready to receive $166 million in federal stimulus money but they believe right now that they might have to cancel some projects or certainly delay them, maybe trim some projects. They brought up the nice-to-have elements of projects might have to be cut because of the financial impact of the coronavirus. So you have Sound Transit looking at some rather bad numbers, and then... On the other side of the country, you have Atlanta's MARTA. They're also looking at the numbers. The Atlanta Regional Commission, they held a webinar in early May on the future of mobility in the region. And they actually are coming off a referendum. uh, It's called More MARTA. That was approved by voters in 2016. That was a $2.7 billion program that will include 29 miles of new light rail and upgrades. And that's all been you know, funded finance, so that's all good. And uh, ARC officials give the thumbs up to $173 billion in transportation funds back in February. But again, they're looking at that plan and saying, okay, 
what can we cut, what can we delay, because obviously the money is not there. Now, MARTA will also receive some federal or has also received some federal stimulus money, but the numbers are, are dire right now. And you also have some very big referendums that officials are planning on putting the, on the November ballot in Portland. They're looking to put a referendum on the ballot for a massive transit expansion there that's in the billions of dollars. The city of Austin in Texas, as you know, they're looking to put together a massive system that includes a subway system. They're asking for billions of dollars. So that referendum, not sure if it's going to be put on the November ballot or not, but it's going to be put on a future ballot. And so what do you think about the mindset of the voters here? Uh, do you see any kind of referendum having standing a chance in November? Well, something is going to, uh, something's going to have to be done. I think, uh, uh, the the there there is a disconnect uh between what people you know, people vote with their pockets okay uh it's, there's an old saying that uh, uh politicians vote their constituents and and uh voters vote vote with their pockets um, there is so much money that is being asked for uh just just a few days ago the uh uh 14 of the biggest public transportation agencies uh, uh, who say that they generate 35% of the nation's gross, uh, not, not the agencies, but, but the communities uh, uh, that these agencies serve, uh, generate 35% of the nation's GDP. Uh, the biggest, of course, is the New York MTA. Uh, they've gone directly to Congress and saying that they will need, on top of the $25 billion that they have already been given uh, for relief, they're going to need an additional 32 billion. Um, so, so that's 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 one thing. Uh, then that, now we have on, uh, on the West Coast, going back to the West Coast, Caltrain uh, saying that it yeah, may have Caltrain. to shut down, may have to shut down completely. Now, you have to take that with a grain of salt. I, I think uh, you're probably going to. Uh, the agencies, if they're smart, uh, and most of them are, they're they're going to ask for more. For uh, they're going to make the situation seem more dire than it is, and it is dire. But um, I guess it's kind of, it's kind of like bargaining. You know, uh, if you if if you need uh, if you need a thousand if you need a thousand bucks, you're going to ask for two thousand, and if you're lucky, you'll want you'll wind up with uh, with fifteen hundred <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Well, uh, Peter Rogoff, who is the CEO of Sound Transit, also wrote a commentary for APTA's publication. And just, just to read some of the things that he said, um, our industry faces unprecedented levels of uncertainty surrounding the future of our operations, our ridership, our revenues, and how we will fit into the nation's economic recovery. Once governors lift stay-at-home orders, continued social distancing could require even more vehicles and service. Operators will rightly insist on continued protection while we struggle to reintroduce fare collection. And fears of public gatherings in combination with cheaper gas might keep choice riders away while the numbers and needs of struggling transit-dependent riders grow. Those were a few bullet points, and then he goes on. 
you know, in his commentary, um, you know, against this ugly backdrop, it's imperative that we, as an industry, revise our priorities for Congress and the administration immediately. Um, Coming on the heels of the $2 trillion CARES Act that included no offsetting revenues, congressional champions and APTA have identified a huge opportunity to pass a multi-year authorization bill while bypassing the need to pay for it. So what are your thoughts there? I know you're, you're eager to jump in here. Well, um, I, one, one thing that, um, that few, few people are really, are really talking about uh, uh, on the transit side is uh, how, how is the world going to change for them? The uh, now that uh, working from home is going is is found to be feasible, uh, and, and it's actually actually improved. Uh, uh, we know that from experience. You and I, as you know, our whole staff. Uh, what is that going to do? What is that going to mean for the future of, of public transportation? Uh, if people, if, if there will always be transit dependent people, absolutely, especially in the big cities. Uh, like like New York and Los Angeles and Chicago, uh, but for people that w- for whatever reason will no longer need to commute, uh, what what does that what does that mean for public transportation? Does it mean uh, does it mean that expansion projects or capacity uh, enhancement projects uh, maybe won't won't be needed? You'll always need. State of good repair. You'll always need to replace rolling stock, uh, especially on the, on the rail side. Uh, you'll always need to to do the track maintenance, uh, basic things to keep the system running. But will will additional capacity be needed? For example, I'll give you a big example: New York City, Amtrak, um, New Jersey Transit, uh, Gateway Project. Well, we need two two new two more tunnels under the Hudson River. Well. <laughs> First, repair the ones that are there because they're falling apart. Uh, I, I, I think that's that's pretty much a done deal. And we're talking about a, a, a project that has the gateway that has ballooned in cost to thirty billion dollars. Now, are those? Uh, and I, I hate to be the spoiler here, but <laughs> are you really going to need two more tunnels if uh, if the number of people who are commuting into the city? Uh, is, is is not going to increase by by leaps and bounds uh, as as more people as as the as the world adjusts as, as people are are working from home. Uh, it's, these are questions that the uh, that the transit agencies and the uh, associations like AFTA uh, need need to think about. Um, we ju- we just don't know um, uh, too many too many variables here. At the very least, of course, the the money is needed for uh, for supporting continuing operations. Uh, but but for expansion, it's anybody's guess right now what what the real needs are going to be. That's and I know a lot of people. Yeah, and I know a lot of people probably uh, listening in. Maybe a lot of the uh, you know the engineering firms or whatever are not going <laughs> to. They're not. They don't want to hear this stuff. But uh, they may have to consider it as well. Uh, I'm not saying work is going to dry up. It's not, okay? Uh, but there may not be as big a demand for, for services if there isn't uh, if there isn't the need or the funds 
for expansion. That's my biggest concern from our RTNS perspective is, like you said, maintenance will continue. Maintenance will continue to get done. But these, you know, these projects that involve new construction, you know, over the next year or two or three years, what is going to be there, still be there, and what's going to have to be pulled? Now, I think as far as expansion goes, you know, you got two sides of that argument. You have, you certainly have the demand, you know, how many, how many passengers are you going to be able to handle or can you, you know, include or add by this expansion, but then you also have, well, you still need the expansion to still reach these points that have not been reached before with public transit and need to be reached out regardless of how many people ride the train. Yes, that's, that's a good point. Um, so uh, so uh, going out beyond uh, the, the existing footprints, yeah, that, that is a good idea, especially, uh, especially if, uh, as a society, we want to uh, have a, a, a greener civilization, all right, which means fewer cars on the road, okay? Uh, on the other hand, if there's, uh, if there's electric vehicles, then uh, you've seen what's happened in, in the big cities with, without all these cars on the road. Well, the, uh, the, the sky over Los Angeles is clear. Uh, I, uh, the skies over New York are clearer. I, I, uh, my wife and I went out for a drive yesterday up in uh, where we live in the northern part of the Jersey Shore, and, and we, we looked over, over Sandy Hook Bay, and, and there's, there's the New York, New York skyline, clear as a bell. Pollution's gone. Uh, it's, it, yeah. it's, it's healthier for everybody. So what that means, of course, is more public transportation. So in, in, in a perfect world, you'll have more people using the people that, that need to use public transportation will, uh, will continue using it. Those numbers will grow. And, and, uh, and the, the, the people that, have, that are used to driving it, uh, they'll they'll leave their cars at home when driving into the city. That's so a perfect world. And the world ain't perfect. There is a need for another federal stimulus package. Uh, so the Democrats in the House released their version, I believe, yesterday. They call it the Heroes Act, and I was kind of skimming through it. Didn't see anything linked to transit. Doesn't mean that you know they're not considering transit at all. I would think they would have to consider transit. That definitely is an industry that has to continue to be supported. The Republicans are saying that, especially in the Senate, the Senate-controlled Republican-controlled Senate are saying, let's let's just hold back a little bit here. Let's let's not jump the gun. Let's see how the the latest the CARES Act is going to work. Let's give it a little bit more time. Can you put a, what would you put a timetable on the next stimulus bill? I mean, I, I could see it happening a little bit later. I don't think it's going to happen, you know, in the next month or so. Um, but they got to They have to have some kind of shot in the arm for transit again. I mean, it just it can't be it can't be ignored. No, uh, it it can't it can't be ignored. I think uh, uh, as as the as the country uh, begins to as the economy begins to open back up uh, for better or for worse, uh, and. Uh, there are differing opinions on that. Uh, we, could, we, we could have uh, another another wave of this uh, of this virus uh, if it's not done carefully. Uh, but yeah, I, I would I would have to say that uh, 
the additional stimulus money for dedicated toward uh, toward transit is needed. Um, I think the the intent here is to bolster a lot of the smaller businesses um, that that are uh, that, that are really really suffering. You know, the larger companies the uh, um, can can weather the storm much better, but, but there are so many businesses that are in various areas of the economy that are in danger of disappearing forever. Um, and um, you know, a lot of the people that that are that work there, you know, they're they're uh, in, in these in, in these various industries, whether it be a you know a restaurant or an uh, auto repair shop or whatever it might be, you know, they're they're not they don't necessarily they're, they're not on the higher income scale, uh, and they would be more transit dependent um, uh, than anybody else, and. And not just rail. That's also bus. We're, we're, we're talking bus here too, uh, especially in the, in the in the rural areas of the country that uh, where you don't have um, large large rail transit systems. Um, bus systems are, uh, are are critical to to mobility. Um, also for elderly people. Okay, elderly people that uh, that rely on on public transportation, uh, include including some some of the uh, uh, services for 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 the physically handicapped for elderly people. Uh, this, these these are essential services. So that's that's yeah. It's, we're going to need some more money. Absolutely. Here's the other thing that that's coming to the surface here. As states are reopening, I am hearing a lot of health experts out there saying avoid public transit. Stay away from it. Don't go on it. And I think the mainstream media has really, they haven't really given uh, transit workers and class one workers their due to begin with uh, as far as their role in this pandemic recovery. But they're also, you know, again, short-sighting the transit industry at least because, as you know, up where you are in New York City, they they have shut down um, the subway system for night during nighttime hours, overnight yeah. hours. Yeah, so they four, can clean. four hours, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they can clean the trains. And I know here in Chicago, uh, the union here in Chicago is, is raising an issue. Those who are responsible for cleaning the trains are saying, you know what, the crews are too small. There's too much to clean. So the CTA is investing in more, uh, I don't know if you call them foggers or devices that basically can completely sanitize a train car in minutes instead of say, you know, you're giving them a good scrubbing, it might take 30 to 45 minutes. So this 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 call for do not take public transportation, you know, during these reopening uh, is is really it's it's really not giving our industry enough credit for really saying, you know what, we're cleaning everything every night, everything's being washed down and cleaned, and I get. You know, where during the peak times, you have the social distancing concerns. I, I believe in, in the city of Pittsburgh, they're maintaining social distancing. And if their car is full, according to social distancing rules, they won't pick anyone else up. You know, in the next stop, they'll say, hey, you got to wait for the next, you know, white rail car or the next bus to come around. Mm-hmm. What, are yeah. your thoughts, what are your thoughts on that, though, as far as public health officials saying, do not take public transportation? That doesn't help our cause at all. No, no, it doesn't. 
uh, I think from uh, you know if, if you look at it from uh, from a purely uh, social distancing uh, standpoint, um, the safest place if you're traveling, the safest place uh, to be is a, alone in your car with the windows closed. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah. But, but to say that, but to say don't take public transportation, that's, that's irresponsible. I mean, come on. Um, because if the agencies are, are taking extreme care to keep, keep the vehicles clean and, um, uh, and, and they're enforcing, it's a part of its enforcement though. You know, you, you, it's, it's limiting the number of riders. Okay. It's uh, it's insisting uh, that people, if they're if they're on board a transit vehicle, that they wear masks. Uh, th- that's got to be enforced. It's not easy to do, but but it can be done. Um, the the problem uh, that arises with uh, with is providing the capacity. Now with a, with, with buses. Uh, buses drive on on city streets and and uh, and in suburban areas. Okay, and and you can you can have a, a convoy of buses, uh, three or four buses to to make up for the capacity, but you can't you cannot necessarily do that on a on a on a rail system, uh, because rail systems are 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 limited to uh, the the number of the, uh, the number of cars. Uh, in in the concert, you can't just randomly add. Oh yeah, well we'll 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 go from six cars to eight cars. Yeah, well, uh, you know you can't do that because there are so many technical factors that go into it. There's signal block spacing. Um, there's there's braking curves. There's there's acceleration curves. There's dwell time. Uh, <laughs> you can't you can't just add more trains. Uh, uh, so it's um it's not a, not a good scenario when uh, when you when you have a, 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 you know health healthcare officials or or politicians saying well, stay stay off the trains and buses and no 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 it's it's provide the the funds provide the means for for the the vehicles to be to be clean and for social distancing to to work uh, that's that's what's got to be done. Um, there uh, there is technology uh, available that uh, that has not been deployed widely uh, in, in transportation, but uh, uh, there is a, um, a there's a company uh, just um, uh, just to give you an example, Bill. There's a there's a company that's actually based in Chicago that. Um, that has a system uh, that uses uh, now this, this this stuff is pretty is pretty toxic. It's, it's called chlorine dioxide, and it's but it's used to to sanitize uh, large warehouses, uh, places like that. Um, and the and the and the the chemical is dispersed through the HV through the HVAC system. On a smaller scale, it could be deployed uh, on individual transit cars, where you where you place a canister of this stuff in the. I think it's activated by water. You place a canister of this stuff in the HVAC system, close the doors, let it go to work, um, and within 30 minutes to an hour, the car is completely sanitized. And and then of course there has to be a little bit of time to uh, to where it's safe to go on board. 
it, again, it's chlorine dioxide. It's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty toxic, but it will kill everything. Uh, it'll kill you if you're on board, <laughs> but, it, but it will, uh, but if there's any viruses, any bacteria, it'll, it'll pulverize them. Um, so that's, that, that's a potential scenario. It has not been uh, deployed, uh, as far as I know, uh, on, on, uh, throughout transit systems, but I, I believe New York City might, might be looking at that and seeing, well, how, how can, how can we do this to supplement the, the cleaning that the manual cleaning that takes place you probably need a combination of both you know uh, you want to keep cars in service um, um, you, you want to, you want to be able to, to rotate rotate equipment through various cleaning cycles so you use a combination of manual cleaning and and, and fogging and uh, what, what you know wiping down whatever needs to be done you know and, and going back one more point I would like to make on this social distancing on public transit. You know what? Obviously, a lot of agencies are requiring passengers to wear masks, and, of course, operators are wearing masks. But you know what? As long as you're not packing these things to the gills, if everyone's wearing a mask, you know, if everyone is wearing a mask and you're not packing everyone in and there's, there's, there's some good spacing there on a, on a train car, that's all you need to be worried about, you know, and, and if you're really that concerned about grabbing onto something, wear gloves. I mean, you know, people depend on light rail transit to get to their jobs. The last thing they need is the, another fear factor item thrown into their everyday schedule that, oh, my goodness, they're saying I should not ride public transportation. I mean, come on, there's, we're wearing masks. Um, if everyone's required to wear a mask before they ride, that's great. If there's enough spacing in the car, that's great too. If you're so concerned about grabbing onto something, you know, wash your hands afterwards or wear gloves. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah, take the, take all the necessary precautions. Uh, carry a hand sanitizer with you uh, and, the, and the mask. But see, these, these personal protective uh, devices, they have to be widely available. Um, and uh, that's yeah, uh, that's been a problem. That, that's been a problem. Yeah. On that note, let's turn to the freight side of things. And yeah. And I know rail traffic continues to take a hit, and I believe it took a big hit. Was it last week where it was at the lowest? Was yes. it the lowest for? It's been at the lowest since how long? Years, right? Many years. Uh, yes. Many years. Uh, for just uh, just for the month of April, uh, we I, I'm looking at the Association of American Railroads Rail Time Indicators Report, uh, and this shows uh, just just comparing now for the month of April. Okay, India. Uh, this is for for uh, for U.S. railroads. Uh, carload traffic is down. Uh, for, and this is again. This is for the month. Twenty-five point two percent. You take you back coal out of that equation, and it's down, it's down 19.4 percent. Uh, intermodal is uh, is down 17.2 percent. Now compared to uh, compared to the prior month, uh, March, when we really started seeing these uh, seeing the numbers come down, um, the, the 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 month of March, uh, car loads were down in the U.S. six percent. Uh, back out coal down 2%, intermodal down 
12%. Uh, so there's been a huge spike. Uh, the, the, the really got hit during, uh, the, during the month of April. Uh, same thing, same thing in Canada, uh, although not quite as bad. Uh, car loads for the month of April, 17.6% down. Intermodal, uh, not quite, uh, uh, not quite as bad. It hit 8%. Mexican traffic, uh, car loads down 23%, 23.3. Intermodal down 23.7%. Uh, so, so here's, um, Here's what the AAR is saying. Any industry that's been, and I quote, any industry that's been around for 190 years has experienced a lot, but railroads have never faced something quite like what they're facing now. Huge swaths of their customer base shut down with no clear idea when things will get better. It's a good thing they've never experienced it before because it means bad things for rail traffic. Uh, and then they go on to cite some of the, uh, some of the numbers that I, I just did. Um, Carload declines in April were paced by big declines for coal, thanks to cheap natural gas and lower electricity demand overall, and motor vehicles, because there essentially was no automobile industry in April. Yeah. Uh, but carloads fell across the industrial spectrum, steel, lumber, chemicals, scrap, petroleum products, sand, food products, and more. Um, of the 20 carload categories that the AAR tracks every month, just two saw gains. Uh, uh, grain, grain had a good April. month, didn't it? Grain's yes. doing well, right? Yeah, gra yeah, grain, yeah. People have to eat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and they, but they're saying though that one of them, uh, one of those may have grown only because the rail car is moving into storage. Now, you know, there was there were uh, interestingly. Um, the Union Pacific, for example, had, that had started this uh, uh, refrigerated uh, uh, intermodal service uh, uh, with refrigerated containers from the West Coast to the East Coast, closed it down completely, just shut it down, uh, finishing out uh, a couple of existing contracts. Um, it, it's uh, it's not it's not a pretty picture, but it will get better. Um, uh, Eventually, <laughs> uh, well, that's, I mean, that's, that's like during the service meltdowns of the '90s with with the, with, with the mega mergers. You know, we used to, we used to joke in the office, say, you know, the, well, one of the big railroads said, "We will deliver." Well, yeah, we will deliver eventually. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, on the on the on the bright on the bright side, uh, the the railroads are moving up. Uh, some of the the uh, tra uh, track maintenance projects, uh, and of course this uh, the, this is this is good for, uh, for for the engineering side of the industry. Uh, there there are there are fewer trains out there running. Uh, there is more available track time. So the railroads have not have not let up in their in their regular maintenance. Um, they have not uh, they they've they've cut back a bit in their capital the capital expansion. But as far as capital maintenance, uh, they've, in some instances, they've actually accelerated that. And, and, and that's good. That's very good. Canadian Pacific is doing that. Um, uh, was, uh, uh, one example. You know, they're, what they're, what the class one CEOs are telling, are telling us, are telling me, and uh, on several of the podcasts we've done, they're saying we have, we know the traffic is going to come back. We have to be ready to handle it. 
and they're they're doing everything everything they can uh, to uh, to be ready for for when when the traffic starts climbing again. So they're not going to be they're not going to be caught short. Well, I think you're right. Capital your capital expansion projects are going to be the one really feeling the full effect of this. They're just I can imagine you know when they when they announce what they're going to plan to do for 2021, those programs could be reduced. I would think. But what if, say, you know, we have operations are so much more efficient now than they were just a couple of years ago. So, again, we have precision scheduled railroading. If that was not in place right now, would do you think, would Class 1s, would freight be in worse shape? Or it doesn't matter? If, if, if the, the PSR has been, has been in, uh, implemented uh, in, in a beneficial way, and for the most part it, it has, I, I think without it they would probably be in worse shape, I would think, because what, 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 what PSR has allowed the railroads to do is to uh, optimize the, uh, the, the amount of equipment that they need. Uh, it's, it's, it's given them uh, the means to... Be, be smarter about operations in terms of train scheduling, in terms of crew scheduling. There have been a lot of hiccups, a lot of hiccups, okay, especially with, uh, with, with uh, early on with CSX. Uh, but railroads like Kansas City Southern, um, uh, CN and CP, which, uh, which really uh, uh, set the baseline for, for PSR, um, you know, Norfolk Southern, I, I, think, I think they are in, in better shape because of that. Long term, so it's a. Um, again, there are there are people who don't want to hear this, but it's it's for the most part it's it's worked, and it is they uh, they will be in in a better position coming out of this. Has it hit the the lowest point yet, uh, industry wide for for freight class ones? Uh, I sure or, hope so. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I sure, sir. Yeah, I, I sure I, hope I, so. I, too. I, yeah. Uh, Wow, that's that, that's that's a tough call. Uh, I think it's uh, it's it's hard to make a a, a blanket prediction, or, or rather assign it to to across the board, because it it depends upon the commodity. Uh, uh, it I, I think probably with um, motor vehicle traffic, uh, it can't get any worse because. Um, the automobile manufacturing plants aren't. They're either shut down or they're or they're manufacturing uh, uh, ventilators and, and, and other yeah. things. Um, coal uh, coal is on the coal was on the way out anyway. I think probably right. within within twenty twenty five years, coal will be gone completely. Um, uh, the future uh, the the future of the industry is uh, is intermodal, but it's also uh, I think it has to do uh, also with, uh, and, and you know, you know, we see we see some of the thought process at railroads like CN and CP uh, getting back to more carload traffic, carload-based traffic. Uh, maybe not necessarily uh, smaller trains, but uh, I, I don't I don't think as far as the mainline carriers go, I don't think we're going to see smaller trains. Um, um it again it, it it you know it all it all depends um well, like you said, it, it, it's gonna come back though it's, yeah everything is gonna oh, come yeah. back mm-hmm. other than coal 
might not come back uh, all the way up, uh, everything's going to come back. So I guess that's uh, the positive note that we have, and it could be coming back sooner than later. Well, we'll have to see where it go, where the housing market goes uh, for uh, for building materials, um, because you know, as you know, the railroads are the bellwether of the economy. Uh, we haul the the raw materials that go that go into the into the finished products. Okay, whether whether it's automobiles, whether it's houses, um, and uh, what's called the uh, white goods. Uh, people build a home. Uh, and it has to be furnished. Uh, it's, uh, you need the appliances in there. Also, uh, um, it's. Uh, I, I, I'm not. I, I, I could use a. We all could use crystal ball, but right now the crystal ball right. is pretty cloudy. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Pretty cloudy, but it, it will clear up on both the transit side and the freight side, and the industries both will will thrive. At some point down the line, for sure. Yes, of course, of course, of course. Um, you know, uh, nothing, uh, nothing is forever. Good times or bad. Um, and uh, so, as uh, I, I don't know who uh, uh, who said it, uh, but it's a it's an old expression. This too shall pass, and it will. All right, so we bit off a lot there. And yes, these are dark times, but the railroad has survived a number of dark times. Times that are even worse than this time. As far as transit agencies go, the transit industry, public transportation, it takes hard times. It suffers a little bit more, but you know what? Again, it is a a central part of the transportation system here in this country and it's going to stay around and it's going to recover and it's going to flourish. I would like to thank William C. Van Trono for joining me on this conversation. For everyone there at home, stay safe, stay healthy. This is Bill Wilson and I will see you down the line.